We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. Social awareness. That's to take a piss. Don't take a shit in the porta potties. All right. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Budding Heads Podcast on Ramstock Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro here with Johnny Gomez, as always. Uh, Johnny, and for all the listeners, I suppose, I I cannot find my microphone tonight. So I am going to be yelling into my laptop internal microphone for the whole night. So I'm sure <laughs> the audio might not be as good, but hopefully we get some entertainment value out of this. I mean, hey, it's the case of the missing microphone, so why not? Why not is right. Yeah, so Rams win this week. We have swept the NFC East. So I think uh, – so we can start with this. I mean, the Rams are 4-1. and one. Uh, We're getting back in the division. We are – I, I would imagine the top wildcard team right now, I guess t- tied with the fucking Bears, which is uh, <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. But yeah, it's four and one. But I, like we we've only beaten teams in the NFC East, and we know they're terrible. So I, I, I issue this to you: Are we sure we're good? <laughs> So here's the thing. The it's no secret that the NFC East is the worst division in football. I I would be hard pressed to find a worse NFC or a worse uh division I should say in in football. It, you you just can't. So that being said, um in a way it's still it's still hard to say because you're right. We haven't beaten anyone and uh, there, there's still a long season ahead of, 
you know, five games into the season, you might think you have an idea, but until they play an actual team, we'll see. But from what I've seen, we've seen glimpses of, you know, the potential that this team can have. And we've also seen the ugly side. Uh, I mean, when you really think about it, their only loss came to a really tough Buffalo Bills team. And uh, they were pretty close to winning that game, too. So let's not discredit them either. Yeah, I I think we're definitely good. Uh, I, but yeah, you have to throw it out there because it it is kind of comical that we opened the season with the entire worst division in football. And hey, we took care of business. Uh, you got to give them credit for that. And I I mean I like the Cowboys are their defense is clearly not good, but their offense clearly is good. So it, it's still a a semi valuable win, I guess I would say. I, I don't think the Eagles. Washington or the Giants are valuable wins at all, but they're wins, and you got to win the games that you're supposed to win in this league to make the playoffs, and later, when we talk about our opponent this week, they are a team that has not won any of the games that they're supposed to win, pretty much, uh, minus the, the super easy cakewalk game, so, but yeah, I we're definitely good. Are we the best team in the conference? I don't think we're better than Green Bay. Uh, Seattle, we will we will cross that bridge when we come to it, but we're certainly up there. This is a team that I definitely feel good about their chances making a run in the playoffs, let alone be, being in it. Uh, I, you know, just the NFC, you know, really outside of Green Bay, there nobody's really like flooring me at all. the The Seahawks are obviously undefeated, but their defense is is bad. Uh, they've given up a lot of points. Um, then and you look at the other teams. You know, I'm not scared of the Bears. I'm not scared of the Saints. I'm not scared of the Bucks. I'm not, I'm not really scared of the Cardinals. It's it, it it's it's winding up well for us to to make a run here, and I'm looking forward to it. But let's let's get talking about what we saw this week in the Rams' victory over the Washington Football Team. It was a game where. The Rams should have won by 20 points, and they ended up winning by 20 points. Now, that being said, I I will say, to Washington's credit, you know, they're, they're feisty. They got they have some players. Like, you know, their defensive line is pretty good, and I think we did a good job of protecting Goff. He only got sacked once, so that was definitely encouraging to see. But overall, yeah, this is a game that we should have won. We did win. Uh, the offense, there were some hiccups. Uh, Jared Goff played more or less great, but his interception was horrible. Uh, you, you can't, you, he did that, but it's good in a game where he throws that like atrocious of a pick that it, it really didn't end up mattering. And we still took care of business and he still played uh, very well overall. And then, you know, you look at the receivers, Robert Woods, Cooper cup, they both dropped a pass in there, but Still playing great, uh, and when you got those three more or less firing in all cylinders, it's it's going to be a good day for the offense. So yeah, I'm happy to see this. But I gotta say, man, Sean McVay is still obsessed with throwing screen passes, and they're still not really working that well. I think it's more of a testament to his lack of confidence of of throwing the ball downfield. But in a game where basically he had time, you know, Goff had time to throw the ball, you you might want to take some chances, some more chances, because there was a few times where it could have it could have worked, and I think there was a play or two where it did work. So yep. <laughs> so I I think that is on McVeigh. You're absolutely right. These uh, you know, short screen passes are are good every now and again but when you're doing it constantly it loses its effectiveness and um i I don't know it's something that i think that he's gonna have to learn to grow out of especially if the offensive line continues to do well you know let's credit the offensive line in this game because while washington's defense may not be elite by any standard their defensive line is actually better than average for sure uh so yeah kudos to the offensive line and 
hopefully moving forward, they will get more of an opportunity to showcase their skills and maybe give Goff more of an opportunity to throw downfield like he really should be doing. Yeah, the the line I, th- I think had a very solid game. You know, Chase Young's out there. I know he's a rookie, but that is that is not an easy guy to get in front of. And they they, they got in front of him. They 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 played well. For Goff to only get sacked one time is great. It felt like he had most time for most of the game. I, the, you know, the the running backs had room to run. Cam Akers obviously broke out that forty six yard run late in the game. That was great to see. Henderson. Not not his best day, but he did still score two touchdowns and uh, looked effective in the passing game. And Ma- Malcolm Brown still still Malcolm Brown. Uh, but before we talk about Malcolm Brown, I mean, yeah, you mentioned the deep balls, and I want to circle back to that because you know he nailed uh, who caught the, Robert Woods caught the deep ball, right? I believe so. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Like, that was a great throw, a great catch, a great route. Uh, really just torched the defense there. And then later in the game, which one thing that was really encouraging to me was they had a fourth and one. They had the lead. If they didn't get it, they – like, the field position wouldn't have been bad. And rather than go up the middle, they take a shot and throw that deep ball to Robert Woods when it was pouring and it kind of just bounced off his hands and – I, I just love that, like, McVay was willing to take a shot there. Uh, you know, a, a lot of time, like, if this was a closer game, I don't think I'd be saying that, but where the score was, where the ball was, I love that he was just trying to take a shot at that that knockout punch type play, and Jared threw a great ball, and, I mean, if it's not raining, Robert Woods probably hauls that in, but if you look at the replay of that play, it was pouring. So it, you can't really knock Woods too much at all for dropping that pass it is what it is but i i just like to love seeing that shot they took there uh he hit gerald everett on a fairly deep ball gerald everett too man led the team in receiving four catches for 90 yards if you own tyler higby in fantasy start looking for other options because what we got last year is not what we're going to get this year i think that's abundantly clear after five games but Everett showing up, man, I, I thought that was great to see. And it's just it's just another wrinkle into this offense that teams have to prepare for. You know, there's there's a lot of talent on that offensive side of the ball. And, you know, we don't have a, a top five running back or a top five receiver or a top five tight end. But we have a lot of good running. We have good running backs. We have great receivers. And we have very good tight ends. And when you have to account for multiple good players at each of those positions it's just it's a lot for teams to prepare for and i you know i think what we've seen after five games this is going to be a team that gives defensive headaches all year it feels like especially when they're on and last week they weren't on and the the giants took care of them even though we won the game but this week it felt like they were on and they, they played great you know the the interesting thing is uh i still wouldn't give up on Tyler Higby just yet I I think it's might be a late season thing where for whatever reason he somehow develops uh, a nose for the end zone but we'll see Uh, that being said I felt like Jared Goff has really really shined this year he has he's been making better decisions even if you look at the uh, interception that he threw it wasn't the most advised pass But I think a lot of it had to do with the rain because there was certainly an uh, an option. um, There was certainly a window where that pass could have worked. It's just he was underthrown, and I feel a lot of that had to do with the rain. I feel like if that was a pass that happened at SoFi Stadium, that he completes that ball. So, again, he should have taken um, into account the rain. That is something as a veteran quarterback he should have definitely done. But considering a guy that doesn't play in the rain that often, I feel like that's a little more forgivable. So other than that, like like you said, that, that was really his only blemish in the game. And he he's basically had these types of games where he may have like a mistake or two, but ultimately he's pretty much signed throughout the season. Yeah, and right now, you know, looking at the NFC, I I think he might, he definitely might be in a Pro Bowl if the if the season ended today. You know, unfortunately for him, I would be shocked if 
you know, injuries would have to happen to Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson for them not to make the Pro Bowl this year. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, Dak did get injured and he probably would be the third guy before Goff. But, you know, without him in the mix, it I don't think there's anyone really even in consideration. Kyler Murray, I guess, would be the only other guy you're talking about. Tom Brady. I mean, you're not going to put Tom Brady in there. So he's on pace to make a Pro Bowl, which I know, like, the Pro Bowl is a meaningless game. But being selected for the Pro Bowl, especially when you're not an alternate, I think it's still a big deal. And I, I'm hoping he gets there. We'll see what happens. We'll see if uh, anyone emerges, if anyone breaks out. Um, but, yeah, he, it, it's awesome to see how well he's playing. And we mentioned this on podcasts in previous weeks, but I think he's answering all the questions we had for him after last year. And, you know, I don't think – like, I, I never expect Jared Goff to be a year-in and year-out top-five quarterback – but I do, with the amount of money you're paying him, with what we see from I do expect him to be, you know, hovering around a top 10 quarterback at the very least is what you hope to get out of him. And if he's playing at that kind of level, uh, then you're really happy about it. You know, he doesn't need to be prime Peyton Manning, but he should be around like the level of, I don't know, prime Philip Rivers, uh, who was always hovering in that range and was a really good player and not the reason they didn't win. Uh, there, there were other factors there that contributed to that. But I do want to uh, hop over to the defensive side of the ball, and then maybe we'll circle back to offense. And, Johnny, I want to start with this because – and I put out a tweet about this today too. Like, Aaron Donald, man, we kind of just don't talk about him a lot on this show because it's just like you you know what you're going to get, and what you're going to get is just week in and week out one of the best performances in the league – and this this week he had what do you have three sacks on the day he he's up to sorry he had four sacks <laughs> I say three oh, and I'm wait, not even right. <laughs> yeah man so seven and a half on the year uh, he's on pace if if he keeps at this pace he will break the single season sack record which he almost broke two years ago you know I'm not gonna sit here and act like I expect him to do that but he's clearly gonna get past what he had last year I would say which is I think 12 and a half or 13 and a half which like sounds low but the reason it sounds low is because just like how numb to this guy's greatness we are I mean like this this game he he destroyed Washington he he just basically ruined Alex Smith's you know return I don't think there would have been much pop there even if he was going against a bad defense but unfortunately he had to go against Aaron Donald and he got destroyed as did Kyle Allen when I was out there they both played awful partly because of how good this pass rush was and when Aaron Donald's playing like this we can get four sacks it opens the door for you know the team to get eight sacks on the day Troy Reader getting three of them which I want to talk about separately in a little bit but it's like, sometimes I think you just need to call out how good this guy is, and we just need to take a minute, like, soak in that, A, we're watching one of the best players of all time, and B, watching him on our team doing this. And we paid him that huge contract, and at this point, it's a bargain. He'd get way more if he hit the open market today. Uh, he's, you know, barring an insane breakout year from somebody else or an injury, he's probably going to win his third defensive player of the year. And the the guy, as we talked about over the summer, he's he could retire right now and he'd make the Hall of Fame. And right now he's just he's pushing towards being the best interior defensive lineman the game has ever seen and one of the best defensive players. Uh it's just it's just incredible and I just wanna I wanted to throw him some actual praise because he's opening things up for the rest of the team and on his own he's just wreaking havoc. He we don't come back against Buffalo, even though we lost, without what he was doing for sure. And uh, he just—he can single-handedly change a game, which for a guy at his position, almost never happens. So I just—I love him. He's incredible, and I'm glad he's on our team. I mean, it's—it's it's come to the point where it's like, yeah, there's a there's football on Sunday, and then there's Aaron Donald getting another sack, you know. He's just that damn good. And um, there, there's nothing more to say other than the the guy's a freak. He he just overpowers multiple linemen. I, I think this is what the most amazing aspect of Donald's game is. 
is that he isn't, it's not like he's going against one-on-one matchups. There are literally teams sending three guys on him because they can't contain him. You know, he's that damn good. So it, it, it is something to, to admire. I mean, he's certainly one of the best defensive players ever in the history of uh, NFL already. And he can only, you know, make his legacy even better as his career goes along. But that being said, uh, we're, we're kind of singing the praises, Steve. Um, what about some of the negatives? What do you got for me here? So defensively, I mean, I, I don't have, I really don't have a ton of negatives. I mean, this is a pretty full game. I do. I, I, I gotta say this and, and I'll let you say your piece about this player after, after I, I rant a little here. We, we talked about, you know, last week, if you listen to the pod, we talked a lot about how it was kind of embarrassing that we gave up 135 yards to the Giants in the running game and that inside linebacker was a concern and that, you know, my, if Micah Kaiser's out, we're going to be running out Kenny Young and Troy Reader out there. And to Troy Reader's credit, he had 11 tackles, eight of them solo, and he had three sacks, uh, which is pretty incredible. I mean, he it's hard to argue that he did not perform rushing the passer because he had three sacks and he was there and he, he brought down, I mean, granted it's Alex Smith, but he brought him down every time. But that being said, man, he was getting just shredded Anytime he dropped back to defend any passes, J.D. McKissick, largely his assignment, had a six catches for 46 yards. Uh, and I want to mention, I don't remember, I think it was Kenny Young on him, who I, I was not impressed with at all in this game, uh, was guarding Tamara Hemingway, <laughs> former Ram, I believe, uh, a tight end. And, yeah, and watching, the, I don't know if you remember this play, because I just I rewatched the game before the pod. So he he drops back like his little fake block and uh, runs out for a pass. I haven't played football in eight years, so I do not remember what that's called. Um, but Greg Gaines like noticed he was open after he faked the block on him and ran out, covered him, and made the tackle in like pass coverage. And a guy who's clearly supposed to be, I, I think it was Kenny Young's assignment. So while I applaud Troy Reader for stuffing the stat sheet and, and getting those sacks, it's awesome for him. It was a big help in the game. But just like the, you know, in run defense, there's not really much to say because they only ran 11 times and it wasn't well. But like watching Jay-Z, J.D. McKissick, J.D. McKissick, mind you, carve it up uh, against these linebackers. We next even next week will be a good test for these guys against a backfield with actually good running backs. It still concerns me, and I I this I would say and there's probably more to like than dislike from Troy Reader in this game, but he's going to be a guy who's going to get a lot of praise for his numbers, and I'm just it, it I I still wasn't impressed outside of the sacks uh it was it left a lot to be desired especially in pass coverage where truly jd mckissick was the only player in antonio gibson they had a combined 11 catches that's a massive testament to how good the secondary played a massive testament to how bad the washington quarterbacks are and a testament to how bad our defense is at guarding running backs in the passing game So, wow, where to begin there? The inside linebackers was definitely concerned coming into the, well, coming into the season, but even more so in this game because the only decent inside linebacker the Rams have is Micah Kaiser, who was not playing. So relying on Troy Reader, who is known to not have good coverage skills at all, and then Kenny Young, any hope that Kenny Young was going to be any useful on this team, I think went out the window of this game. Like, seriously, if the Rams weren't so desperate 
in so desperate need of inside linebackers, I'd want to cut Kenny Young based on his performance <laughs> this week. Seriously, it was that bad. I have never seen a linebacker that was so useless in coverage and, you know, even down to some tackling, he missed tackles by a wide margin. Like he watched players go by. And this hurts me actually to say this because he's a former Bruin. You know, I'm, I'm a huge UCLA fan. Tough, so it tough hurts luck me for to the Bruins. That. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. Like the, I, I can tell you this, he was not like that at all at UCLA. At UCLA, he was actually a force to be reckoned with. Um, but this past week, I, I don't know if it's a confidence issue. I don't know if he just what what it is really. But like I, I'm that serious. If if I was a GM, which thank God I'm not, because uh geez, I, I don't know if I could do a job like uh less need. But uh if if I was GM, I would certainly want to cut Kenny Young because, oh man, that was that was brutal, brutal week. But enough harping on uh, Kenny Young. Um, you uh, you also mentioned the secondary, which I, I kind of went dark there for a second. Let's let's see the light again, and that certainly is the receiving or the secondary because uh, the secondary really kept. A quiet. Uh, I mean, albeit the Washington football team does not have a stunning receiving core. I mean, McLaurin is is okay, I guess. Nah, he uh, McLaurin is is legitimately good. Like he's a good receiver. Okay, well, we'll give him a little more credit. He, he's a good. He's a fine receiver. But uh, even so, there's nobody really passing it to him. I mean, I had a lot of faith in Alex Smith before the freak leg in- injury uh, and to ask him to come in and perform with a very awful, you know, Washington football team offense and just kind of get thrown into it when they were struggling already, you know, benching Dwayne Haskins. It, it actually says a lot more about Dwayne Haskins because they literally threw in Alex Smith, a guy who hasn't played in years, <laughs> over you know when when they needed to take over Kyle Allen. Yeah, so, was was Haskins active? No, I, now that I think about it. Yeah, I don't think he was active, and I I think like the benching was clearly like, bro, you're done. Like we're never gonna play you. So it made sense, but also like. I don't know what Haskins was doing behind the scenes, but for Ron Rivera to bring his backup quarterback to Washington and then start him at four game after four games, a guy in Kyle Allen who, to be blunt here, sucks. Like, is not good. Uh, and I, I also caveat with that with he's clearly better than me at quarterback because some people will go out and say that. But, <laughs> like... You sure, they, Steve? I don't know, man. You got an arm, man. Better than 99% of people have ever played the position. But when we're talking about NFL-level quarterbacks, he sucks. And they clearly just didn't want Dwayne Haskins. Like, clearly. Uh, If you're going to bench him after losing to the fucking Ravens, dude, like, you're like, yeah, he didn't perform against Baltimore. Sorry, we're going to play Kyle Allen. It's like, you're wrong. Um, But, yeah, secondary played great. Unfortunately, we did lose Jordan Fuller on literally the last meaningful play of the game. And it wasn't even that meaningful, which just fucking sucks. Uh, He's heading to the IR. We don't know how serious it is. And, you know, IR is only three weeks. So it it might not be that serious. Uh, But it definitely stinks to lose him, especially with how little confidence we have in Taylor Rapp. But that being said, the cornerbacks are playing great. Ramsey is doing what we paid him to do you know it's like you you mentioned with Washington their quarterbacks aren't good and there really aren't any pass catchers that are like above average beyond Terry McLaurin on that team but he's still pretty damn good and we we shut him down and a lot of credit to that goes to Ramsey who has been killer this year 
you know, it's but I, I hate losing Fuller for somebody who's been such a great surprise and such a huge get late in the draft. I just want to see him play. I want to see him succeed. And he was succeeding up until uh, that massive hit he laid that ultimately put him on the IR. Yeah, the, the, I think the thing that hurts most about that, that was literally like one of the last plays, if not the last play. It was the last and, offensive play for Washington of the game. Yeah, that 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 hurts more than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, we just get him back, and just for him to land back on the IR on the last play, offensive play for Washington, that that hurts. Um, but moving forward, Taylor Rapp is going to have to step up. Obviously, the secondary is going to do their thing. You know, Jalen Ramsley is still one of the game's best. And, uh, you know, looking forward, you know, at least next week, um, I'm not particularly worried about the passing game. I'm more concerned about the ground game. Yeah. Yeah, it's... uh, And, and, you know, with with the big complaints about, like like we said with Troy Reader, who looking at the pro football focus grades jordan fuller had an 89.9 which is awesome john johnson who we didn't even mention in the secondary just no not at the aaron donald level of just like you've come to expect great things but like you've come to expect just consistently good performances from him he had an 84.4 and troy reader with a 53.2 overall grade despite an 87 in pass rush which is very high so uh 36 in coverage and it's just, you know, you can get away with it against Washington, but, like, we'll see next week. Uh, San Francisco, I, I watched the game against Miami. You know, they suck. We should route them. But they have a good running game, and they have running backs that can catch passes. You know, Moster just came back. He can run the ball. McKinnon's having a nice little comeback year. He can catch He can catch the ball. Moster can still catch the ball, too guys like that like if they just tear us apart it's definitely gonna be a big concern and definitely means that they like really really should take a look at addressing this position at the trade deadline because you know when you get to the playoffs you know looking at teams that might be in the playoffs right now you're gonna have to go against Ezekiel Elliott you're gonna have to go against Christian McCaffrey Alvin Kamara now Chris Carson not not an scary pass catcher but a very scary downhill runner and then a aaron jones uh these teams have good running backs and a lot of them can catch the ball and you know we are we didn't struggle against the run defense in this game but you know given the circumstances there's not huge takeaways there and we struggled against the, the pass catching running backs. so uh next week will be a little telling in that regard and johnny i do want to circle back to this because you you asked me to tell you about the negatives earlier. Were you trying to cue me up to talk about Sam Sloman? <laughs> uh, yeah, he came to mind for sure. Missed an extra point. It was very. It was a rough extra point. He has not been great kicking this year, and a lot of times it feels like the Rams aren't confident in him and just not kicking. You know, situations where you would normally kick. I feel like that fourth and one where they went for it on deep ball, which I did love, that was last year. They You probably just trot out Greg Zerline, who you know, was, wasn't perfect. He didn't make every, every kick he had, but uh, Sloman has, has been very slow out the gate. He's hitting 75% of his field goals, but um, he he's... 0 of 1 from 50 yards. We've only let him take one. We've only let Sloman. Um, I don't know. He's he's only taken one field goal beyond 39 yards. Now, part of that is because our offense has been doing great, but he missed a field goal. I don't remember the exact length in between 20 and 29 yards. He misses only 50 yarder, and he's missed two extra points. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot of stuff there, but it's not reliable it's only been five games he's missed two extra points you know it's it's tough and i don't think they i don't think they trust him at all and sean McVay said that they're gonna let him develop uh you know that they still have faith in him but uh 
when games are going to tight, when games are going to get close, if you don't have a kicker that you can rely on, it's scary. And they're not going to replace him, it, it seems. It, do, it doesn't seem like they're going that well. well. Now, we'll see if he misses big kicks in the coming weeks. But uh, it just... he, From all reports, he was the worst kicker in camp. And they still kept him. So I don't know what the deal is. I hope he turns it around. But we've had rookie kickers before. And I can tell you they were a lot better than this. The thing about Sam Sloman is the way I've kind of approached this, because I I thought about it from both the coaching perspective, the player perspective, and from the fan perspective. Obviously, the fan perspective in us says get rid of him. You know, he, he missed some key, you know, field goals and an extra point. We, we got to get rid of the guy. But it, it's easier to say that. However, this is where you have to bring logic into this. Obviously, when you have a kicker, you want to go to him just in case the offense can't make it into the end zone. Basic football, right? If you feel like you have to go for it on fourth down or go for a two-point conversion because you're not confident in your kicker, what's the point in having him? And that's what it's coming down to. Now, it may be a little too early to just cut ties with them right this second, Um, but it is something that I feel like the Rams should consider moving forward because uh, whether it means opening up a practice squad spot for a, for a kicker, like uh, maybe Austin McGinnis and I am not going to attempt the other kicker's name. I thought I'd never have to say his name ever again. I think it's high Lahu. I think, I think there, that's what it was. There we go. Assign one of them. If they're willing to come back, you know, to, to the practice squad, make it, so that it's a competition again because if this continues there's literally no point in having a kicker at all other than to do kickoffs (laughs) and uh even then like his kickoffs aren't exactly that great either because no no that's that's been another a lot a lot of people have been mentioning that he's not even getting like touchbacks and shit like uh that's another point of contention people have had yeah and it's it's not it's not because of a strategy either. It's clearly he can't make it past the end zone or at least deep enough in the end zone to where they'd have to take a knee or watch it go out of bounds. That's that's a problem. That's a problem for your kicker. So unless Sean McVay really did not see something in the other two kickers or he just really wants to make his money's worth for his seventh round draft pick, which I can't imagine why, but <laughs> no <don't> reason. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's a problem that the Rams are going to have to keep an eye on, especially as we get closer and closer to uh, these more vital games uh, against uh, divisional opponents, against tougher teams coming up. Yeah, it actually seems like Kyra Lahu might sign with the Jets, so he might not even be an option. Replace our boy, Sam Ficken, who I cannot imagine will ever play for this team again. <laughs> but, yeah, it's I, I think they'll at least give it to the bye week, and if it gets worse, they might cut bait. Uh, if it gets better, then, yeah, they'll keep him around. But I, I agree, like it, it is pointless to have a kicker when you're not even trusting him for 40, yards, 40 yarders. Um, and another special teams thing before we get to the 49ers, Nasimba Webster returned some punts this week. It's Sean McVay alluded to letting him get more chances to be a punt returner. Cooper Cup has been an awful punt returner, man. Not to mince words here. A phenomenal wide receiver. Really just has stunk it up as a punt returner. Luckily, he hasn't fumbled, but like... He's made some bad judgments on fielding punts or not fielding them. He, ha- he has not done anything when he actually fields punts. Just getting a symbol Webster back there. He was he was a better punt returner and just end it. Like, just let that be it. Can we get Raymond Calais back there? Yeah, like, him too. I'd be fine with him being back there. Seriously, like, he, 
he um I, I don't know if there was an injury or something, but he was not active this week. Uh, that was that caught my attention right right away because I was really excited to see what he would do this week after having uh, that one return against I think it was the Giants, right? Yeah, I, I think it was the Giants. He he looked good on kickoffs. Yeah, I I don't know if he would make a good punt returner or not, but regardless, he's got to be better than than Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is not meant to be a returner at any means. It, it looks like he hesitates a lot, which is not something you want to see in your returner. You know, you, you need someone that's either going to make the right decision and call the fair catch or just continue to, uh, you know, try and make some sort of effort. The hesitation makes me nervous all the time. I'm just waiting for the guy to fumble. It makes it even worse if you're a fantasy football owner uh, of Cooper Cup because that fumble can actually affect him even if he has a damn good game. Yeah, and that's honestly a great point. And, like, when you have a player that's that valuable to your offense like Cooper Cup, to have them returning punts, like, they have to be operating at, like, a Tyreek Hill, Alvin Kamara return man skill level. And Cooper Cup is, like... He's probably one of the worst punt returners in the league. Like, there's just no, there's no benefit to it. There's no positive benefit to him being back there returning kicks because, like, you just don't need him to, and he's not doing it effectively. Just, just getting a Simba back there or or test out Raymond Calais uh, and and move on already. I don't know why they're trying this experiment. Uh, it doesn't come as a surprise that when our very talented special teams coach leaves. We have all these issues, you know. Maybe we should have kept that guy around. I'm missing him at this point. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, we're four and one, and we're finally coming up on our first divisional contest against the San Francisco 49ers on the road. Now, the 49ers—they've had a lot of injuries, but they—they they did get their quarterback back in action this week, and. He got benched at halftime. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think Rams Twitter, Johnny, was more excited about this benching than our victory, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I, I the funny thing is I I'm, I was curious about this from the 49er perspective, because obviously from our perspective, we're just going to look at it and clown on him. Uh, but from what I gathered from 49er fans is the reason for the benching while yes, he played very terrible is uh, the reason is because they felt that he wasn't a hundred percent healthy yet and that they're, they benched him because he was playing out there because of the injury. I don't know how much of that is true or how much of that is bullshit, but the thing is, Definitely clear. Garoppolo did not look good at all. He he actually looked quite awful out there, and not that, not that any of the 49ers quarterbacks have looked that great, including uh, Bethard. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, um, I think it is Beth. Bethard actually looked pretty good last week. I thought. Uh, but they play the, the Eagles uh, in that primetime game. He he replaced Nick Mullins and looked okay on those last couple drives. But yeah, you, you're right on the, what Shanahan said after the game, like why he got benched. He said the way the game was going, uh, how he was playing, you could tell he was affected by his ankle. And I know he doesn't normally throw the ball that way, and I think he was struggling a, a little bit because of it and the way that game was going. He didn't want to keep putting him in positions knowing they were going to have to throw the ball a lot to come back. Uh, and, yeah, so it was definitely a combination of the injury, they are getting blown out, and Garoppolo was playing horrible. Now, how much you're going to blame the injury for how bad Garoppolo was playing is one thing, but the only, like, fact of the matter is he was fucking terrible. I, I went back and watched the tape of this game tonight, <laughs> yeah, man, he was awful. His interceptions were awful. Uh, and he, he wasn't hitting on many of his throws. And they got destroyed by the Miami Dolphins in this game. Uh, they had Raheem Mostert back. They they got a little healthier. 
and it didn't matter. He he looked like he was playing well, and it didn't matter. They got absolutely uh, trashed by the Dolphins, who aren't the worst team in the league, but they certainly are not the best team in the league. It was uh, just. And, and did you catch any of this game, Johnny? I saw bits and pieces, but I didn't see the whole thing. Dude, so like, I watching the game, I expected the Dolphins because I, I didn't see it until today. I expected the Dolphins to come out just like guns blazing, just playing the best football game we've ever seen. They didn't even do that. Like they were sloppy as hell in this game, but they like they completed so many deep passes that Washington couldn't defend the deep ball at all. And I mean, we're talking about defending the deep ball against the likes of. Preston Williams and Mike Gusecki, uh and, and, and Devontae Parker, who obviously is pretty good, but, um, you know, it, it just so many deep balls were getting completed. Uh, I don't remember if it is deep ball or not, but even Matt Breida had a 31-yard <laughs> reception. I don't think Matt Breida has 31 yards before this game on the season. Uh, just, like... The 49 like, they could not have looked worse in this game against the Dolphins team who wasn't, like, they were playing well. They didn't play phenomenal. You know, this isn't a game where they should have won 43-17, to and lo and behold, they did on the road, cross-country flight, at San Francisco. And look, man, Jimmy Garoppolo is not magically going to get healthy before this game. So even if he's a little healthier, he's not going to be 100% if he ends up getting the start. Um, and like I, I mentioned the sloppy play, and I just had I had one note written down. The Dolphins had, like I think it was first and goal on like the two-yard line. By third down, they were running from the 25-yard line, partly because of penalties, partly because of sack. It was like third and goal on the 25, and they got it, and they scored a fucking touchdown. Uh, they ran a fake punt up thirty to fourteen. Like it was just, a, it was fucking crazy how how this game went. And my takeaway is that the Forty ers clearly have a Super Bowl hangover. Clearly are dealing with some injuries, and clear like if Jimmy Garoppolo comes out and torches us, I will be absolutely floored. Given what I saw, that's not saying he's going to be terrible for the rest of his career, but. After this game, with how much they blame the injury, if he comes out next week and plays well, I will I will truly be shocked by it. So, those are all very good points. I, I think that's one of the things that was overlooked um, by many people. That yes, Jimmy Garoppolo struggled, and really the entire offense struggled, um, except for maybe Mostert, but. All that said, you can talk about the struggles all you want offensively. It's really defensively that I'm kind of blown away with. I mean, how do you surrender that many, that much yardage against Ryan Fitzpatrick? I mean, don't get me wrong. He has his moments. You know, he has he shines here and there. But against a 49er defense that we've kind of come accustomed to seeing them dominate, it's just really weird. Now. The other really weird fact, I, I kind of did a little bit of research. I don't look a lot into uh, statistics because I feel like statistics are just like a small aspect of the overall game. But there's one stat that really, really caught my attention, and um, it's not something that you would normally see. Ryan Fitzpatrick, you would say, throws a lot of incomplete passes, right? Yes, he he makes a lot of questionable throws. How is it that he was 22 of 28 in pass attempts? He completed 22 of his 28 pass attempts. I never thought I would say say that from Patrick. And against the 49ers of all teams, he threw 350 yards, which, yeah, he's done in in the past. But it's still it's still amazing that they surrendered so much. And if the Rams offense can't capitalize on a very, very battered 49er defense, it could be a very long season because we're no longer playing the NFC East. 
there, there will be some terrible teams along the way for sure. But um, the 49ers is definitely a team you can't overlook, even battered. Uh, but clearly the Rams have a really good offense. If they can't score against this defense, I'm very worried for the rest of the season. And likewise, even though the 49er offense is somewhat being pieced back together, Garoppolo's performance did not look good out there. Any of these quarterbacks have not really impressed me at all. I mean, the receiving core of the 49ers, there's potential about the only receiver that frightens me is George Kittle. I mean, but any tight end at this point frightens me because of our inside linebackers. So (laughs) it's really going to come down to if the Rams defense has an answer for the running backs because there's quite a few running backs on this team that can make an impact, um, especially with Mostart being back. Yeah, and, you know, you, you nailed it with Kittle, too. Like, these are the two positions that inside linebackers deal with a lot. And, you know, safeties would alternately deal with these guys, too. But with Jordan Fuller out, who knows how that's going to look. I'm sure we'll see a lot of Terrell Burgess, uh, the, the other rookie in our secondary. But Kittle, Mostert, and you know if the, if they choose to use him, which they didn't last week, Jarek McKinnon, though those are the guys that if we were to lose this game, I would imagine they're the reason we lost because we we don't really have answers for them. And luckily with the tight end, uh, there's not really many elite tight ends in the NFC. They're mostly in the AFC. You know, depending on how you feel about Big Bob Tanya now over there in Green Bay. Uh, there's beyond like. You're really not going to face much uh, on the tight end position, which is great for us. But we're going to face better running backs than Raheem Mostert, and this will definitely be a a good test for us. So hopefully, we a winning test. But no, if we could con- contain both of those, I just I don't see where we lose this game. Uh, and and the defense, man, they're statistically ranked pretty well, but. Do you know who the the 49ers are 2 and 3? Do you know who their two wins came against? I believe the New York Jets was one of them. And the other one. The other one is the Eagles? No, no, it's the New York Giants. I meant the other team in New York. They lost ah. to the Eagles. They didn't beat the Eagles. Wow. That says a lot. Yeah, so they're they're two and three. They're lost out of the Cardinals, who are okay. The Dolphins, who are eh. and the Eagles, who, who I I would say are not good. I think that's their only win of the season. So, like, I just team's not good. They're they're not good. And maybe um, maybe we will. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a trap game, but I don't see it as a trap game. I think we're going to win 37 to 20. Yeah, I, I'd i be really surprised if the Rams can't win this game. I, I think it's, it, it is something to consider that the 49ers and any NFC West team plays really, really tough against the Rams. But I, I just don't see it. And the funny thing is... Uh, this was one of the few games I had the Rams losing um, this year, uh, initially when we came into the season. But obviously injuries happen. So, yeah, I have the Rams winning this game. I'm going to say 30 to 23. Yeah, it, it might it might be a trap game because of the divisional stuff, but yeah. <laughs> I will say I I kind of recklessly picked the Dolphins to beat us in the preseason. This game made me feel a little better about making that pick, uh, even though I can't imagine I'm gonna pick the Dolphins against us now. But uh, I, I I think my rationale was like I like their coach. They're scrappy. They have some talent. They're gonna be a tough out, even though the record's probably not gonna show it. And all that stuff, I think, is held true. You know, they, they played well against the Seahawks. They played well against the Bills. 
they're not bad. They're not terrible. Uh, that's going to be a tough game when we get to it, even though I think it's one that we should win, obviously. But uh, this one, man, like their defense is banged up and it shows, you know, Nick Bosa's gone. Richard Sherman's gone. Uh, you could argue those were the two best players on their defense last year uh, for that Super Bowl run. Still got Fred Warner. Quan Alexander's banged up, but... I I mean, dude, they were getting shredded by like Preston Williams and shit. Like we we should crush this team. We should absolutely crush this team. It should not even be a close game. Man, I hope so. I I got to I do like this uh confidence from Steve. It's usually not this confident. I I mean, like literally you look at their schedule and they're 2 and 3 and the best team they've played is Arizona. So, like who I don't think the jury like I don't think we know if they're good yet. I, I they're they're decent, but they their wins are against the 49ers, Washington, and the Jets. We don't know if they've beaten a good team. I mean you now you could do your argument against the Rams, you could say their biggest win is against the Cowboys. Have they beaten anyone good? Well, they at least played Buffalo, who I even though they lost tonight, I think is clearly good. Uh, very well and almost pulled out a victory there so i you know i gotta say man you just gotta love to see how bad the 49ers are i gen i think they're going to come in last in the division this year i I, like i would bet substantial amounts of money on it today i mean it's it's clearly trending that way they have a lot of players that they invested in and um unfortunately are no longer an option for them so it might be a lost season for them but i wouldn't i wouldn't count them out you know they're they're still a very talented team uh maybe somewhere towards the back end of the season they might trend upward but you know this is a very tough division and the faster the faster you go down the longer you're going to stay down there so yeah uh I think they're they're going to probably finish last too, um, considering they, you know, continue to play as bad as they do. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. I mean, I, I long term, like I I don't think they're going to like next year. I would imagine they'll still be a pretty competitive team in the division, but I mean, this year I I just I don't see it. Given what I watch, given what the record is, the NFC West is seven and one against the NFC East this year. They're the only team who has lost to the NFC East in our division, and they're the only team who hasn't beaten a team in the NFC East yet. Granted, they've only played one, but uh, Arizona beat two of them. So I, uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I don't think they're good. I don't think they're good at all. And I, I, I love saying that. I was gonna be really happy if the Saints uh, came up short for me last night, but they ended up winning, unfortunately. So yeah, I. Hopefully we will be back next week at five and one. It, it looks very promising, and uh, I, I have to say I'm I'm looking forward to watching this game in uh, Vegas. So we'll see. <laughs> I love it, love it. Uh, and then after that, we get Chicago. Who I'm not frightened of Chicago, but they're they're not bad. They're not bad. All I have to say is Nick Foles or Trubisky. That that's all I'm saying. That's <laughs> true. But I mean, hey, they beat Tommy Brady. Uh, yeah. So San Francisco, Chicago, Miami bye week. Although, <laughs> like seven teams had their bye weeks changed last week, so we will see if that changes for us. Hopefully not. Hopefully, uh, the NFL has finally figured out their shit. But uh, <laughs> you got any parting thoughts here? Uh, just one. Steve, can you guess what my parting thought is? No, I can't. I, I'm honestly shocked you can't think of my parting thought, and I'm a little offended. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> to the Lakers. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, had, I had to bring that up. It would not have been an appropriate stream if i didn't bring up that the los angeles lakers brought home their 17th championship 
If it makes you feel any better, the Heat didn't win. <laughs> Man, it does make me feel better. <laughs> it does make me feel better. For those of you that don't know, Steve is a diehard um, Sixer fan. And just seeing one of his former players uh, win a title would not sit well with him. <laughs> Man, so, I, it sucks because I love Jimmy Butler because I, I went to college at Marquette, and he's he's a Marquette alumni. And they had Jay Crowder, too, uh, another Marquette guy. But, like, me, I don't mind if he wins one eventually, but it could not be this year. I, could, I couldn't stomach that. And I, I could not even watch a minute of the Heat Celtics series to see which one of those fucking teams goes to the finals. Uh, I am happy that the Lakers tied the Celtics for total championships and if you don't count all that bullshit that happened before the aba merger which both of them got some rings uh the lakers have way more titles than the celtics i think it's like 12 to 4 post merger so they're clearly the best franchise in the nba i think by a substantial margin the celtics will hang on to their 57 championships they won in the 1960s but uh in the last 30 years they've only won one uh so they're trash. They're they're not a good organization. They can hang out of that 2008 championship for as long as they want. I I think this is probably the best statement I've ever heard from Steve. Um, <laughs> we we could probably stop doing butting heads now because we will never find another. I, in fact, can we can we record that and make that part of the opener? <laughs> that, <laughs> It'd be a little confusing, but I would love that. <laughs> if we had a basketball podcast, I think it would just be 30 minutes of us shitting all over the Celtics, like our mutual hatred. <laughs> okay, okay. Enough on the Lakers and, and the NBA in general. Let, now time for football. It's okay. And good on the NBA and hockey, too, probably. No cases. I don't know about hockey. I don't watch it. But no positive case in that bubble. So it clearly worked. Um, and compared to how the NFL is going right now, it, it says a lot. Uh, and yeah, of course, Johnny, congratulations on the Lakers and shout out to all the Laker fans. Uh, I think they're going to be at, they're going to be back next year too with a, with a pretty good team. Uh, and shout out to Dwight Howard, man, getting a ring. I'm like one of the, the I'm like one of the 12 Dwight Howard fans on earth. I feel like <laughs> probably, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not a hater. I'm not a lover either. Like, I will say this though: Dwight definitely came back at a good time. He's one of the main reasons, not not the main reason, but he's a one of the contributing factors of them winning, um, especially against the Denver series. Uh, I think without him, it might have been a lot more difficult. Yeah, his legacy needed it because you know, as good as he was for a while on those Orlando teams. And I think he's gotten a little underrated at this point because of how just like brutal and negative and just like a cancerous effect he had on like four teams before he got to the Lakers. Like uh, apparently when the Hawks traded him, everyone threw a party because they were so excited that he wasn't on the team anymore. Uh, Damn. Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's meh. Season's over. So. Baseball's wrapping up soon. It's going to be just football in a little bit. And let's hope that the Dodgers can actually bounce back because now that they're down uh, 0-2, it's not looking good, L.A. We, we, we need to get the Dodgers back on this so we can have two championships in L.A. this year. Maybe three. And hopefully a, hopefully a third. Yeah, maybe maybe Herbert will deliver the third one. I I, I Is that a joke? <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask. Hey, I gotta say, man, though, uh, I know we're just kind of rambling here, but Her- Herbert looks fucking great. He's a baller. Hey, that's that's the UCLA and you. He looks great. I I need more than just uh, really a game and a half. I I really need more than that. I don't know, man. He, I think he's a baller. I think he's going to be good. I don't know how good, but uh, I, I think that was actually a good draft pick by by the the San Diego Chargers. 
Well, I like it better than uh, Dwayne Haskins. Sorry, Derek. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. Follow us on Twitter, at Barrow at Johnny596, at TalkRams. Uh, like, subscribe, rate the pod, and we'll see you then. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that We're going to see him soon. You feel me? Can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.